Welcome everyone to episode 18 of Podcasting is Praxis. I am David, I am here with Alicia. Hi, I'm here in London. Jamie. Alright, I'm here in Newcastle. Natalie. Hey, I'm here in Bristol. And John. And of course, Bristol Posse representing here again. Hey. Are we not doing jokey little intros this time? Have we just run <laughs> out on the comedy front? I couldn't I think of anything, and you were all serious before you got to me. So I know. Like, <laughs> I was like, I had a line prepared. I don't have any jokes, and I was first, so like, it just doesn't happen. I sound like I'm on a, like a game show, so it just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a game. Well, tonight we'll show you could be winning. Yeah, yeah, it does. The way I'm saying, I'm Alicia and I'm from London. Like, this sounds like I'm on Sarah. You could win. Only the government. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, that wasn't in the box. It was another round of comment or commentary. (laughs) I did wonder why we were all saying where we were from, but I just, I wanted to go with it, you know. Oh, damn. Oh. See, I actually just want to conform. That's all it is. <laughs> I've led you all astray. I'm sorry. <laughs> can't believe you've done this. It would be oh. entirely on brand for me to have missed the memo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Right, well, we get started then with a little bit of the news. <laughs> so, Friday night. Did everyone enjoy their Friday night? Oh, it was oh. glorious. Oh, immensely. Yeah, I watched this Saturday morning, but it was brilliant. Oh, it was fucking amazing. Oh. So the question time debate, I'm air quoting, you might not be able to hear it, but debate um, happened on Friday night where Jeremy Corbyn, Nicola Sturgeon, Joe Swinson and Boris Johnson all had half an hour each to go and answer screams from the public. And last time this happened in 2017, it, it gave us the gammon matrix. The gammon matrix, <laughs> the meme, yeah. Oh, is that where yeah. that picture comes from? Oh, yeah, damn, yeah, yeah. All, all nine of them were on that episode of And uh, also that Question one girl well. who just like called them all out as being like horny phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they were all absolutely shitting their own pants over why Jeremy Corbyn wouldn't nook everything before <laughs> things happen, um, or even after the monster. And yeah, then one good lass actually fucking called them out on it, and it was so good. It was, it was nice, <laughs> but this time it was almost like a reversal. In that, well, how do we th- how do we think it went? How do you think Corbyn's bit went? I think it, it went really pretty well. well. Yeah, yeah. Well, he started just, off a little bit shaky, but by the end, he was just sweet. I just wish someone would clean his glasses. It really bothers me that his glasses are always dirty. I want someone to clean them. I mean, to be honest, if he can like get all eyes. the homeless people off the streets, his glasses yeah. could be as wonky but as I he like likes. I like his eyes. He has trusting eyes. Yeah. You know, like someone, okay. you know, like yeah. Joe Swinson, you look at her eyes and you're like, oh God, don't look into her eyes. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> Like with Corbin, you're like your eyes are so you're 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 honest, like and that trust thing comes across when when he has his glasses off and you can see his eyes. Whereas when his when his glasses are dirty, you can't see his eyes, and it really bothers me. That's just me being pernickety. When you look in Swinton's eyes, it's basically like that bit from Terminator Two with the nuclear explosion, <laughs> but with a squirrel at the chain link fence. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Oh, that is some fabulous visual imagery I've got going on here. There's going to be some sweet dreams tonight for me. Oh. <laughs> I, I thought I thought Corbin did pretty good. Um, <coughs> I I like that he dropped this. You know, I like it. and I don't like it. The neutrality bit. We all mm. knew it was coming at some point. Why we don't all you knew like it was going to happen. I don't like the fact that he dropped it there and then because that's what it became all about. I disagree I with that. that fo- like, no, I mean, I, I, I didn't get that from that. I, I, I mean, yeah, well, like, we got a nice... lot of stuff covered in about half hour. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. We, oh, we in did, terms of reporting, I guess you, you mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's what. Yeah. Exactly it was what a I nice mean, place like, to do it because then he had some time to basically explain his reasons as to why in front of you know the entire nation. Yeah, without having, having to be words. interrupted in a debate yeah. setting as well. That's right. Without having his words kind of uh, you know put incorrectly in the papers yeah. the next day. I and think we can all agree it, it would have been better if he'd had if someone had briefed him on, you know, say you're neutral because it's not your decision before the first debate and he'd just mm. gone in with that and, and not had the the first debate be all about, well, you won't take a position on Brexit. But Yeah. You know, well, I guess the- I guess I guess maybe they didn't think it was going to because I honestly when Labour put out their policy, it was like, okay, well, this is Labour policy. And he, Corbyn is loved by so many, but then the press are so disrespectful of him. It shocks me that they care so much about what he thinks. It's like, why do you care what he thinks? You know? It's almost as if they're not doing it in good faith. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, is, it is absolutely Boris Johnson being willfully obtuse. There's but no I doubt about that. Right like time in question time. Media class. Yeah. Because that guy Liam asked that question, uh, like stated out. Who tur- did you see the guy Liam who wrote, who asked that great question? Who said like, I think Corbyn has, you know, it's the clearest stance. He that guy was from Red Pepper Mag, so I think it was the perfect time for Corbyn to come out and say that he was neutral because he had a really good audience there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good that he's done it. I just, I just kind of wish that it was more focused on the actual policies because that's what's mm. going to win it. As the policies, mm. it's, yeah. it's it's the flaws of the the shitty media. It's we we have to react to the environment in which we're in. I get that, so mm. fair enough to some degree. But aside from that, that was the only kind of takeaway I had from it. That I was a bit uh, on it, and it was no, purely well. around the framework of it. He did really well. He did. Yeah, he did really, he did well. really well. A lot of the policies were put across really succinctly, um, and great in a, answer on the same personable well. way. Uh, and the voter reg must have had the, the question must have had something to do with the voter registration surge. I'm sure of it. Yeah, but we'll, we'll cover that um, in mm. just a little bit, actually. Um, so, Nicola Sturgeon, does anyone have an opinion on how she done? Uh, seemed very statesmanlike. My eyes always kind of glaze over when they start talking about Scott Paul. Um, but in terms of the way yeah. she present take like presented herself, it all sounded very solid. The main mm. thing I don't get is it basically seems like she and Jeremy Corbyn agree on every single thing apart from whether Scotland <laughs> should be in the UK or not. Mm. Yeah, um, mm. yeah. With, without going to Scott Paul, um, the, the SNP have a lot of form for talking the talk yeah. for the left, but. It's it, a lot of stuff has not happened that could have happened. Um, yeah, so time now. So I mean, gather. it's one of those ones. I'll give Sturgeon this. She is an effective speaker. Mm, yeah, um, she, she does know how to navigate a room. 
Um, she's she is good at it. She's she's probably one of the most competent politicians in that regard that I can think of. But at the same time, she sometimes slips into that slick politician kind of like you're obviously a slick politician, and then the good turns into a bad. So uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously we'll, we'll not go into the actual Scott Paul of it all um, because it was heavily heavily dominated by independence questions rather than policy stuff, which mm. is what I'm glad we managed mm. to avoid with a lot of the. The other parts. Um, it did seem as though that was her comment. That was her comment a lot of the time was just like, okay, but I want an independent Scotland. That seemed yeah. to be her response to just about everything. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a bit of a fob off and it happens. It happens when it is just purely Scottish politics that's been spoken yeah. as well. But like like you say, she is she is a competent public speaker. And on that mm. note... <laughs> Let's go to the note. opposite. <laughs> Joe Swinson, fuck. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, Joe Swinson, she bombed harder for Manukes, but she would be so quick to fire him in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was just upset because she hadn't hit her squirrel quota that day. Oh, I don't even start me on the squirrels. But yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the only reason that Joe Swinson's got such a fucking wide on for Trident is because it's the only weapon as massive as her. <laughs> <laughs> I do like all these little lines from Reap Workshop. He's put in some good work today. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it, oh fuck! It was it was an absolute murder. Like, oh, I, I've never actually yeah. realised that it was legal to broadcast a snuff film. <laughs> I mean, I literally I didn't watch the debate live. I thought it was going to be a bit pants, so I went off and played video games instead. And then afterwards. Uh, you know, pretty late, I caught up and everyone was just talking so much about it and how <laughs> dire it was. I ran to the corner shop, I got out a whole load of booze, and I stayed up for a late night politics binge and I did not regret <laughs> it for a second. <laughs> if that, that is was... any sort of indication of the night of the 12th, I'm so looking forward to the live stream. <laughs> if that's anything like that, it's going to be so good. Oh, yeah. um, like, do we want to get into like the kind of specifics of like what the crowd was going at her for? Oh, they were just, they were tearing her apart for fucking everything and anything, weren't they? It yeah. Was, um, you, the you love record. austerity. You love nukes. Like, yeah. Uh, every You're single possible oh, her crime. Voting record. Yeah, My uh, voting record was read out. The first question was, do you regret like saying that you could win a majority and it just got worse than that? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, so I think good. we could get a majority. No, it's not going to happen. Oh, it was just like, you know, mir- it's just basically saying, oh, miracles happen. Yes, I could become prime minister. No. I would actually leave. Like, I would leave this country if she became prime minister. <laughs> it's alright, it's not going to happen Yeah, I've no, got as good a chance of it happening as she does <laughs> more of a yeah. chance Natalie <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be a car yeah. crash on stage maybe she'll join the Tories then there'll be a leadership contest and she'll win that <laughs> finally Chuka can take his place as leader <laughs> of the Lib Dems no, Chuka's okay. going to end up in the Tories he'll finish his career as a Tory 100% he can collect the whole set yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll have to like get an accent vote for the SNP. Yeah, no, no. Mm. Oh damn! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I sorry, I've just get the idea of just the image of Chuka wearing every ribbon again. 
<laughs> Finally, he's a Chukamon master. Fuck's <laughs> sake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh damn! Right, um, yeah, right. So moving on, moving, moving on. Um, Johnson. So Johnson, um, how do we think Johnson did? Well, I think oh. he's going to get Brexit done. If he's he's going to get there. Brexit done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Um, that was that's what I got yeah. from that. Like Sturgeon's answer that uh, you know Scottish independence was everything. His is getting Brexit done, Brexit done to everything. That's not true. Come on. He also talks about levelling things up. He's a gamer. He's the gamer Prime Minister. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, do not tell me with that brush. And I mean, Kevin Reddy. He's certainly racist enough. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, <it's> a... <laughs> oh. Oh, it was it was bad. Um, he, he had a really shit performance. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. He looked like any sort of shit performance could probably be chalked up to whatever... Prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably he, alcohol. I, I, oh no, I, I don't know. I mean, mm. he, he just didn't really appear with it. And again, it's Boris Johnson. When does he ever appear with it? Mm. Like, I was about to say, when has he? When have you seen him seem with it? Ever? Yeah, I mean, for all for all we know, that is his natural state. It was even by his standards, it was still bad. It really was. He did not handle the crowd well at all. Yeah, especially that one guy, that one guy Heckler, the one that just kept on and on and on at him. Oh yeah, yeah. oh Who's he was that great. The Russia the, guy. The, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Russia report guy. He That's was Russian. so good. It's just like I'm not letting this go. Why are you not releasing it? Why are you not releasing it? And even when uh, Fiona went on to the next one, it's just like, no, I'm going to shout it out <laughs> so everybody's hearing me. <laughs> oh man, I'm doing yeah. what? Oh, fucking great. Do we want to mention the BBC trying to cover up for just how shit his performance was later on in the <laughs> Yeah. Because yeah. I hadn't I hadn't seen the clips, but like one of my I we were out canvassing yesterday, one of the other canvassers was like they didn't actually watch the debate. And from watching the clip, it made it seem like Sturgeon smashed it, Corbyn and uh Johnson were on par and Swinson was just like kinda bad. It's like, wow, that is not what happened yeah. at all. Yeah, we we already spoke about the the wreath on Remembrance Day and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that was that was blatant as fuck. But then they've actually went as far as to cut the answer from two separate places in the debate, mm. and also make a point of removing the laughter that happened laughter. when he tried to answer it. So yeah, bad. so basically, when they ask him for the opening question of um like trust is really important can we trust you as prime minister the entire audience just shits themselves with laughter and they <laughs> cut that out in the little like recap clip in the news so they just answer the question the audience applauds and he's like absolutely you can um yeah it was absolute so bullshit it, it was well, they the- cut it out in a way that because i remember when i watched it when he answers the question, the audience are still laughing. They're still making noise when he answered that question. And I thought he's jumped on laughter to try and like have this be clippable in some way. As if he's, oh, it's Jolly Boris. And then the BBC goes and removes the laughter. Hmm. Like his mic would have picked something up, surely. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, the what? same shit that the Tories have been doing with their like, things of like editing Jess Phillips and Keir Starmer. It's mm. the exact same tactic. 
Yeah, I think what they actually did was he, he started to answer the question over the laughter. He paused for the laughter to die down, and then he started his answer again, and the BBC have just cut that that first response out to make it seem like everyone was applauding, and he just goes straight into the answer. Which is dishonest as fuck. Let's, yeah, let's they love yeah. him. They want their they want their nice extra, you know, however many grand a year they're gonna save, you know, however Ugh, I fuck them. I know. It's so much huffing and puffing during this election. That's all I spend my day doing is just like reading something and being like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when when has that not been the case over the last like? It's, I was gonna say nine years, but I'm finding it terrible. The previous... Like, I, I'm sure we'll get onto this, but it's like actually, it's actually blowing my mind how I'm having conversations with people on doors who are arguing with me about nine pounds a month extra oh. nine pounds a month nine pounds I, a month I'm just like and they're like yeah but you know that I <laughs> I need that and I'm like do you, do you really I, I don't know if you pounds. talked about the Ooh. guy from the previous question time oh. episode oh yeah. like Hi. that guy I'm not um, even the top you, 50% Yes, you are, mate. I had 80,000. I'm lower middle class. It's like, you are you are not at all. And his wife was just like nodding along the whole time, which really annoyed me because she didn't even uh. pipe in. I was like, pipe in. Ugh. Yeah. People don't yeah, go that... into me for like an extra 100 quid a year. It's just, I can't, I, I, I just find it very difficult. That guy was an absolute shithead. Like. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Question time brings out a certain kind of person, doesn't it? Stories. Mm. It it really does. No, but the, the the leaders' debate question time had great people on it. Like, yeah. I don't know how these people <laughs> managed to get on to question time. Like, <laughs> they, they they did some good jobs. Whoever was casting was definitely helping us out there. I don't even know that they were doing that intentionally in any way, shape, <laughs> or form. Like it seems to me that they just kind of got who was in front of them and they did their thing. Like. Because there was a few shitty questions for everyone, like mm. ones that weren't easily answered or made by someone who was attempting to be a bit of a wrecker. Um, like, that happened for all of them. Yeah, but Corbyn had that guy who didn't even ask a question, but was just like, I am petrified of socialism and what you're going to do to this country. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Oh yeah, that was good. I forgot about that. Oh, that was the first <laughs> oh, one as well, a, wasn't it? What about that uh, lady that she was basically you know, having a breakdown talking to Johnson about how everything had affected her? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that did not go well for him at all because no. he just kind of shrugged it off in like the weirdest way. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, he, it, he did it, what one of the earlier what uh, Corbyn did earlier on and just said, uh, oh, c- "Come speak to me after the show and uh, we can discuss it." It's just like. It means I'm not going to discuss it right now because I have no answer. Off the back of that debate, there was a really, really big increase in the voter registration count. Woo-woo! Woo! So <laughs> it was what the next day was a was a record day for yeah. registrations. Mm. I've got the biggest grin on my face right now whenever I hear this information, it like chipmunks me. I can't help it. I start properly chipmunking. <laughs> proper, proper good. So there's yeah. been 2.8 million new registrations this year. <sighs> so that's up 1 million on this time in the election period oh compared to 2017. 200,000 oh were on Friday alone for mm. the debate. 
And of that 2.8 million, 1.86 million are 18 to 34 year olds. It's fucking awesome. Nice. Yeah. That means Labour landslide, landslide victory for Labour, <laughs> Labour gains, Labour gains. That's all I hear when I hear that information. Look, that's not, uh, it's not going to be 97 levels, unfortunately. And that was a glorious night to be up watching the polls. Oh, God. I was there. I, I'm an old fart, so I remember that day very well. And oh, it was glorious. Yeah, no, but we were also it's just so excited. And then you wake years. up 10 years later and you're like, oh, crap. Well, yeah, I mean, now I know that it's terrible. Back in 97, <laughs> it was just like seeing all of the Conservative government just getting knocked down, even the biggest majorities just going down to nothing and Labour gains. And it was just, oh, that's so good. <laughs> well, never say never. Mm. Well, we were going to talk about the polls, but I think we'll just patch the polls. Yeah, the polls. Yeah, I don't shit. really, I don't really like polls because polls just use landlines, and young people don't have landlines, and so I think they're inaccurate and depressing, oh, yeah. and they don't help the doorstop. I don't like them. No. I, I strongly suspect that if if you register with a polling company and you tell them that you're left wing, they disregard your opinion as unrepresentative. It's Actually, because um, I'm registered with YouGov. And I have been asked about politics maybe three times this whole year. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'm intrigued to actually register as conservative and see how many I get. That's a good Do idea. It. Do it. We should all register under a different party and see what happens. Do our own poll of the polls. I think what you have to do is all register as the exact same kind of um, kind of person, though. You know, like 35 year old white male. Yeah. What have you? Landlord. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Include a photo of you dancing at the Holocaust Memorial or something like that. <laughs> no, that'll just get you pegged as a remainal. <laughs> um, right, so, uh, yeah, fuck the polls, really. Um, are we, um, but, are yeah. we mentioning a, a certain Anthony Blair? Given no. some verbal... If you've, if you've got things to say... All, I've really, all I've really got to say that is Tony Blair is kind of like if you were wiping your ass and your finger went through the paper <laughs> and then wished to be a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand that, but I still like no, it. No, I don't understand it, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. <laughs> no, nah, fuck him. Oh, I mean, damn. it was just, it was the usual, like, you know, oh, Corbyn's terrible. Everyone much preferred Labour when we were killing Iraqis by the million. Just to clarify, and, he did a speech what? today. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And- yeah, he did, and he said everyone was confused. Everyone's confused. No one. The thing is, oh. right? So I disagree with everything he says. Let me just caveat myself by saying this. But mm. on the mm. door, what he's saying is what I'm getting. I get it a lot on the door. If you, but I don't agree with it. I love that Labour's a socialist party, and I love that Labour cares about society. I love that Labour actually cares about all the people within society. But on the door, if I can tell you how many times I had the chat about if Labour was centrist, if Labour was Blair's, Tony Blair's Labour, we'd be voting for Labour. Like this weekend in Harrow East, I had that conversation, probably like 70% of my conversations I had included that conversation, that dialogue. I don't agree with him, but he is reflecting a lot about what a, a specific kind of voter is thinking. I don't think he is. I don't think that's, that's think the case. I think he's definitely representing a certain section of yeah, society. Yeah, I'm not saying they're a majority or anything. debatable how big that section I don't think it's is. that big. Like, I, I, was, I haven't had... 
I haven't had that anywhere apart from Harrow East. I, I've been in Kensington every other... Obviously, I'm only in London, but like I've not had that in Kensington. Kensington is just Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. You know, that's the only chat there. Uh, I've, I've, the had that, um, I've had that conversation with people on the doors, and generally I find that if you, if you bring those people around to talking about policies, they generally agree with most of, if not all, of Corbyn's yeah, policies. Yeah, 100%. They just and I, I wonder how much of the well we just can't have Corbyn any anyone but Corbyn is just them reflecting like what they've heard people say in because, the media yeah one hundred yeah, yeah I, I think, I think an element of it one hundred element of it I think is the the winning team thing yeah mm. like people just want to be on the winning team and who won more than Tony Blair yeah but I also think people just have this this is this is when i started to get really scared about the media though because i have had so many times um the conversation i don't know if you've had this as well jamie that it you're like why don't you like tell they don't like corbyn okay can you tell me why can you tell me something about him and they'll say they'll scream the word marx or commie at you or trotsky or you know something like that at yeah. you and then when you actually say okay like Fair dues, you have your opinion, but can I ask, like, what specific policy? And they'll give you a policy, and then you actually explain to them what the actual policy is, and then they go, oh, well, that's that's perfectly reasonable. And you're like, well, yeah, there you go. That's yeah. your that's your commie right there. It's not Yeah, that's, that's absolutely my, been my experience of it for the most part, yeah. And you've just got to deliver it with a massive smile. Like, honestly, my cheeks hurt from having to smile through the pain <laughs> of dealing with it. <laughs> so, I, I think you do an amazing job. It's something I could never do. On the doors. Yeah. I love it because people also make, I get such a variation because I get people who are really nice to me because I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a young brown girl and I look much younger than I am. So I get a lot of like people being really nice and oh, it's so good that you're doing this. And they think I'm like 19. And then I also get the <laughs> other side, which is my favorite is when they're like chauvinist, racist old men, because then when I can actually argue with them, they get really shocked. So <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it. Apart from when someone told me that he's voting to get Brexit done, to get rid of people like you. And I was like, But I was, I, I kind of left smiling. I said, have a good evening. And I left smiling because I thought to myself, you live in Kensington and that's in London and it's really diverse here. So life must suck for you because you have to live with all of us all around you. So, ha ha. Yeah, so he, I, I kind of, I've learned now I can't let it get me down because then I'm not energised for the next door. So I, find, I try to find the positive in it. So, but yeah, I enjoy oh. it because you can convert people. That makes me sound like I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not. <laughs> I am. You can help people see... Uh, have you heard about our Lord and Saviour, Jeremy Corbyn? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, everything I say sounds so religious. Help everyone see the light. It's like, no, I don't quite do that. <laughs> a lot of... Uh, what, I, what I enjoy telling people who are incredibly like turbo Brexit is they're going to be very they're, they're going to be very disappointed when they wake up the day after brexit has happened <laughs> and they find out that black people still exist <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, the thing is, is like a conversation I genuinely had with someone who was like basically saying that they wanted Brexit to get rid of not even Europeans, like people of colour and people who are visibly different to them. I was having yeah. a conversation with someone about this and I was like, do you not realise if we lose Europeans business, we're probably going to have to actually do a trade deal with somewhere like China or India and then it's going to be even more obvious you're going to be surrounded by people that are different. Like, I don't mind. I'm happy to be around lots of diverse people, <laughs> but you're clearly not happy with it. So right now you've got loads of white people who blend. You're not going to have that soon. Like, you're just, you know, it, your, your racism is blinding you to sense. Um, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, wait, like, it couldn't all be done by British people. It's like, the skills aren't here, mate. Like, come on. They just don't understand. They've just got the Farage, like, one, like, you know, bullet point list of, like, three things, and that's all they know. And it's really upsetting. Yeah, they're definitely not informed voters. No. <clears throat> and some of them do turn. Like, they do listen. And when you start... That's why the Labour doorstep, to me, is so worth it. Like, even though I'm obviously going to have a cold now until this is over, it's just never going to be. <laughs> like, it's a yeah. sacrifice I'm willing to make because... You know, we've had people that when we get to the front doors are like, Brexit, got to get Brexit done, blah, 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 like really angry. And you let them sort of blow off all their steam. And then you say, well, what are other issues apart from Brexit that you care about? And most often they will say oh, something about their children, their parents or the NHS. It will link in that sort of way. And you'll tell them, as we'll obviously talk about in a bit, some of the policy uh, and people will go, oh, what? What? Oh, so if I vote for the Conservative, that that won't happen? And then all of a sudden you've got an engaging conversation. Then people are shaking your hand at the end of the conversation because they're thinking, wow, I've been led to believe that this is a Brexit election and it's actually not. Yeah. There's a lot of, so there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who their, their opinion of what needs to be done, what's right for the country is like, you know, they've heard it all from like Britain first or the, or the Brexit party or UKIP or something. And, they've made the mistake of assuming that to get the sort of like, you know, better pay, better jobs, take care of like British people, save the NHS. They've, they've assumed that because that's been offered to them wrapped in racism, that it's, it has to come with the racism. And if you tell yeah. them that like, it's perfectly possible to have one without the other, a lot of people are, are perfectly happy to hear that. I find. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're so, it's, it's literally, you just articulated it so much better than me. Yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> Well, do we want to talk about some of these policies? Love to. Why not? Love to. Yeah. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a bit of a dive into the Labour Manifesto that was released last week. Um, this is the first chance we've really had to get into it. And I think we're going to start off with... Let's start off with the most important thing that we've got here. Uh, Natalie, do you want to lead us off? Um, I assume you're talking about the environment. Of course. Okay. Um, right, I will try to make this as brief as I can because there was, luck, uh, not luckily, like greatly, um, a whole lot of good things about the environment. So there's a lot to get through. Um, I'll try to whip through it. Um, one of the key like main messages is that they're talking up a green industrial revolution, which is just a, is kind of like a tagline and a bit of messaging. I really love it. Um, and the key idea is that instead of looking as climate change as like a burden, um, a problem, something we have to go out of our way to fix, we're looking at it as, at it as an opportunity to, you know, really revitalize um kind of like the economy and the country which has been broken down by austerity. Um so it's really kind of looking to kind of solve 
a whole bunch of problems at once. Um, so, for example, they are pledging £400 billion for a national transformation fund. £250 billion of that is going to be for renewable energy, uh, transport plus environmental restoration, um, which I think is you know really important. Um, we are also going to get a national investment bank to provide a further £250 billion, um, and that's going to go out as loans to local regional businesses, uh, help with infrastructure and innovation, and that's all going to be like lent out in line with environmental goals. Companies are going to need to uh, meet environmental guidelines to be listed on the stock exchange, which is kind of like hidden away. But I think that's actually a really key policy. Um, that's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, obviously, you know, all of the big publicly traded companies are, you know, with the finance of the city of London, they really do kind of depend on that. Um, so linking it to the environment, you know, that's really going to force their hand. Um, we are pledging 9,000 new wind turbines, 22,000 football pitches worth of solar panels. Um, so no more Arsenal games this year. It's, uh, yeah, they're not going to have a pitch <laughs> It's probably for the best. Um <laughs> More nuclear energy, um, research into tidal energy. We're going to ban fracking, um, which amazing. Um, all of this, um, the workers who are going to be kind of having to retrain into kind of like new areas of expertise and new industry, that's all going to be done with the support of the government and working hand in hand with trade unions. Um, so for, you know, workers' rights and kind of worker benefits are being maintained um the big news energy and water is going to be taken back into public ownership um uh, the big six energy companies uh yep restored to public ownership We're also going to get a new national energy agency to manage the electrical grid um three percent of gdp is to be sent or um spent on research and development for innovative green technologies um that's another kind of slightly hidden policy but i think it's a really good shout it kind of means that magnets can... that's that, that that's 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 what you need magnets well i mean if you listen to the climate There's change solution if you listen to the climate change yep we had a whole load of great en geoengineering ideas like conveyor belts underwater and stuff like that <laughs> so there's, there's opportunities <laughs> out there um, another great one um, that I first heard when I went to see uh, Jacob's live he um, said they're going to be putting environmental and social regulations on imports because um, a lot of the pollution we have just kind of pushed out towards the developing world but this way even if we're taking in products from other countries that pollution of that carbon footprint isn't going to exist um, so that's fantastic um we um the plan for this is um set to create one million new jobs part of that will involve a climate apprenticeship program which gov uh, businesses will be able to access for retraining and um that is going to be mandated so that 25 percent of their apprenticeship levy must be spent on climate apprenticeships so like they don't have a chance to refuse that they have to kind of 
go with it. Um, yeah, it's proper good. Yeah. Um, public ownership, again, for bus companies. Um, not definitely, but councils will be allowed to do that or regulate. In the case where they do take bus, uh, buses back into public ownership, uh, under 25s will be able to travel free. Um, because, hey, we're just, you know, bribing the under 25-year-olds for free bus travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, rail nationalised. Uh, Jacobs is going on a big nationalising spree. He's have uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> they... He's pointing at seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also want to um, get Crossrail for the north as well to um, kind of open up infrastructure there and complete HS2 all the way up to Scotland. Um, I mean, a lot of us know that our travel infrastructure in this country is just complete shite. Um, mm. I mean, not just yeah. in terms it's, of price, but just the ability to get it anywhere. It breaks if it's too sunny, if it's too sunny, yeah. if it's too wet, if it's too cold, if it's too hot, if it's too anything. A drop of snow on the line and your travel's down yeah. for a day and a half. Honestly, I tried to come back from from Glasgow to London in the summer when I was living up in Glasgow and I got delayed on the train for two and a half hours because the tracks were too hot. Too hot. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean they're too hot? What? How can they be too hot to move? And then they're like, they're running out of water on the train and it's like, well, well now we're all too hot. So you have to move this train. It was terrible. 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 Yeah. Uh. Yeah. yeah, and it's exactly. like that everywhere. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> huge investment for that. Uh, we are almost done, so I'm just going to rattle for a last through. Uh, all airport expansions are going to have to pass stringent environmental tests. Um, they're going to set up a Clean Air Act to fight pollution and invest 5.6 billion into flood defences, which is very relevant after the last couple of weeks. Um, um, pledge to half food bank use in one year, eliminate it entirely in three years, and establish a national food commission to uh, kind of oversee food security. Uh, and lastly, one to pull out, they're going to make uh, producers and manufacturers responsible for the cost of all waste uh, that is kind of created by their products. Um, so for example, Coca-Cola would be responsible for the cost of kind of recycling all of their cans and all their bottles because um, that will encourage companies to, you know, really work on reducing waste and um, kind of improve yeah, sustainability. Um, so there's a lot of stuff there that's kind of being talked about and hyped up and we're kind of, we're expecting, but there's also some really, as I say, some really sneaky ones that I think are actually some of the best and most effective policies in there. Mm. I'm excited. Alicia, do you want to take the NHS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, NHS, this is one of the things I'm talking about a lot on the doors, so it's something that I'm really excited now that we actually have the manifesto. So I think the thing I like the most about it is that they're really acknowledging the fact that we need to move away from privatising the NHS. So I think the fact that they're saying, you know, it's, a, it's an urgent priority to end NHS privatisation. And I actually saw John McDonnell and John Asra speak at the 
Labour rally on the NHS just before the manifesto was announced and they said they're going to put uh, that in the Queen's speech when we get into government. So that is amazing because obviously a third of the NHS is privatised right now and, and that is what is leading to its demise. They are going to make sure that the staff shortages are, are filled because they're going to make sure that the expenditure across the health service, including um, investment in the salaries of nurses. So there's going to be an increase of 5% because as I'm sure lots of you have seen, there was actually something today um, on Twitter that I saw about, you know, a nurse that said she's a, you know, she she's a nurse and she has two children and she's having to go to food banks. And this isn't, this isn't something that is rare, sadly. This is something that's happening everywhere. Yeah, They're going to make yeah. sure that, yeah, it's just, it, may, it actually broke my heart to see that. You know, these are people that... Oh, awful. Like... Spend their life look, making sure they can look after us, and they're running around doing extra hours because there's such staff shortages. You know, there's forty three thousand nurses needed, and there's a hundred thousand staff vacancies in NHS England, and there are fifteen thousand fewer hospital beds, which is obviously terrible because it means, as you as you've obviously all seen, there's you know people on beds in corridors, and it, it's just it's an absolute mess. And obviously, we love our NHS but it's, it's not functioning well right now. So a Labour government is going to make sure that there's going to be an increase in expenditure across the health sector by an average of 4.3% a year. So it's going to make sure that the patients are going to have uh, like modern well-resourced services that they need. They're also going to invest in A&E departments. You know, lots of A&E departments and walking clinics have been shut down all across the UK, mostly under conservative constituencies. So we're going to really try at Labour pledging to really stop that. And then they're going to one thing that they're going to really be able to get money back from is to make sure that, as everyone probably knows, right now money is going to privatisation and outsourcing, which charges way too much on what they're actually meant to, like the service they're getting. So they're actually going to make sure that that money is going to go on patient care and they're going to reverse the uh, the privatisation and they're going to make sure that the infrastructure to the NHS is going to be there. So that means we're going to have more MRI scans. At the moment, people wait for ages. You know, there has to be, one of my, one of my friends um, up in Glasgow is a surgeon and it's like really strict like they have to be really strict about when people have MRI and CT scans because of how much it costs. So they make sure this isn't something about money. Uh, one of the things obviously that everyone knows about is that we're going to be providing free annual NHS dental checkups, which had strangely had quite a lot of uproar about it. I don't know if any of you experienced that, but some people in my circles went a bit, a bit aggravated by it. But I think it's a brilliant uh, service because obviously it lots of people can't afford to go to I, I, if you've got no money the dentist is going to be the last thing on your list to go you know, I mean, the whole point is the NHS for Tories always talk up like it's free at the point yeah. of use we're going to make sure it stays yeah. free at the point of use yeah. but it's not free at the point of use at the moment because you're paying for dentists yeah. and prescriptions yeah, exactly. and like opticians and stuff Yeah. Um, but especially dentists because the price on that is Because it's not like that in Scotland 
it, I couldn't believe it. So I went to, I had like a problem with my wisdom tooth. As I said, I was living up in Glasgow last year and I went to the dentist I looked at my tooth, the basic says you're gonna have to get rid of it. I went, not now, I'm doing my masters. Uh, and then I was sat lingering by the reception for ages and she went, can I help you? I was like, oh yeah, I just, wanna, I just wanted to pay. She's like, no, 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 it's a checkup, it's free. And I was like, uh, okay. She was like, you signed something when you came in. I was like, oh, I just, yeah, I don't know what I thought was going. I was like, I was so confused. Uh, yeah, but it's amazing because, you know, I didn't realize that, but lots of people, you know, it means they'll actually go and things like root canals can lead to other really terrible things. So I agree, it's actually brilliant. They're also gonna make sure that the universal healthcare is gonna make sure that the women's and children's health services are comprehensive and they're gonna protect the rights of EU workers, migrants, refugees, uh, BAME, LGBT and disabled patients and they will end mixed sex wards as well. Which, you know, I, 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 I I am. Um, I didn't see that as a huge priority. I the thing I see as a priority when it comes towards from canvassing in Uxbridge is making sure first and foremost that children aren't in the same wards as adults. Yeah, that's yeah. very no, that's, that's that very way. distressing, and that's actually happening right now in Uxbridge because Boris Johnson's own hospital in his constituency is crumbling. And so they had to shut the Peter Pan ward that had all the children. So the children in Uxbridge, the prime minister's borough, are in wards with adults. So that would be one of the, that's what we talk about on the door, obviously. That would be, <laughs> that. but it's actually terrible. I can't even imagine how stressful it must be for a child to be in a ward with an adult, you know? Uh, and they're also going to make sure that the NHS inpatient food is better. And they'll provide free hospital parking for patients, staff and visitors, uh, which I, I don't know how they're going to do that. That's one thing I'm, I don't know how they're going to do that one. I think it's amazing. But I, I always thought the parking was owned by specific parking companies. Is it owned by the NHS? No. Does anyone know? They, they sold it to private companies, I think. Yeah, so they're going to have to get it back. Hopefully they just seize it back and tell the company yeah. to fuck off. That would be my Good. Yeah. personal. Yeah, because I mean, if they parking at a hospital with, is like thirty quid a day. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Renationalise parking. <laughs> so yeah. oh, that was the one thing that confused me because I was like, I'm sure it's not the NHS. Because if it was, I'm not being funny, right? If it was the doctors and nurses getting that money, I wouldn't really care that much. But if it's going into like private you know, private hands. It's not going to help fund the... Yeah. No, it doesn't get spent on the, the NHS. Well, yeah. No, yeah, so... it, doesn't, it doesn't go to the NHS. It goes to yeah, friends so and relatives of the Tory party, I imagine. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> uh, and then just a little bit more, sorry, because I realise I, I, I'm rambling when I talk about the NHS. The mental health, the Labour government is going to provide an additional 1.6 billion a year to make oh, sure that uh, mental health... Yeah, at last... At last, yeah. they're going to make I, sure... Can I just say, um, sorry to interrupt, but I work in mental health. No, no, health. no, don't apologise. Yeah, I, I work in mental health. Um, I've been working in one place for two years. And in the two years that I've been there, like, our waiting lists have gone from one to two months to seven to eight months. So they've gone up, like, like four times. Um, we Our service delivery has been stripped back. Um the age range that we can see is not as big as it used to be. The demand for our services getting higher. 
and it's uh, in about the same just two years and it's yeah. such high and the kind of need for mental health support is so so vital so that's really good and I actually wish it was probably a bit more yeah well hopefully this will be our first stretch and then we have our second term of government we can yeah we can we can push it we can push it even further yeah so just to give you a little brief outline they're just you know they've really acknowledged the fact that people with mental health problems are having to stay in hospitals which obviously you know that aren't modern are actually exacerbating the their their mental health issues so they're actually also going to set out and implement a full recommendation um they're actually sorry they're actually going to implement the uh recommendations set out in the independent review of the mental health act so people can actually get a choice in the treatment that they need they're uh one of the things that i think is so brilliant that they're doing is that they're gonna actually make sure that there's going to be a 24 7 crisis services for people with psychological therapies because i think one of the things that really really gets to me right now is the fact that when people have mental health issues they can have therapy for six weeks and then it's like okay off you go bye now and if people have cancer or heart issue they don't go okay six weeks see ya you're on your own and so labor is you know acknowledging this and they're acknowledging it especially in young in young people with uh 845 million pound plan for healthy young minds to make sure that there's going to be mental uh adolescent mental health services uh, available and they actually again at the nhs rally had a had a, a doctor speaking about a patient that she had who was anorexic severely anorexic very very underweight but according to the guidelines, wasn't underweight enough to be to actually get the help that she needed on the NHS, mm-hmm. even though she was very, 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 very ill. So, you know, Labour is going to really try and, well, the Labour manifesto's aim is to make sure that mental health is something that is given a lot more time and consideration and, more importantly, money. Uh, yeah, so overall, the labour uh, labor with the NHS is just really making sure that the people that work in the NHS and the people that need the NHS are going to get the help that they need and to de- like decrease the divide in society. I think that would be probably... I could go on for ages about the NHS, but I think I'll stop there. <laughs> cool. No worries. Uh, John, on housing now. Yes, indeed. Well... I do know that the opinion of a lot of people on this podcast is a lab. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I have spent my time in the landlord jails. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the Labour. Uh, they're looking at ways that they can resolve the issue that uh, uh, is going on there. Um, so I mean, they have got some good plans. I, I honestly, looking through it, I'm wondering about how they might be able to do it because it's going to be a tough one. Because um, obviously they're going through about how there's less people now able to actually rent in general. Uh, it's just becoming unaffordable for them. Uh, that you know even people of my age now just can't afford a house anymore. So it, it's, it's become a, a big problem. So uh, Labour, first off, what they're looking at doing, uh, they're looking at uh, setting up a sovereign land trust so they can buy land more cheaply and then actually use it instead of just selling it off to other housing developments. So that would be useful if they can do that. Um, and when they're going to be building houses to build new zero carbon homes. So that will help the environment, as uh, stated on a bit earlier. Um, but, yeah, one of their plans is social housing. Now, they said that they want to build 
at least 150,000 council and social homes a year by the end of their tenure, and at least 100,000 of them to be for social rent uh, in the biggest council house building program in more than a generation. Uh, one of the things they do mention later on is that that's going to be kind of like a nationwide policy. Uh, the problem, I've got to say, affordable housing isn't so much of an issue in the north of England. You can actually pick up houses for relatively cheap up there. But there's not the jobs. You know, you, you can pick up a house for 50 grand quite quite easily. You know, so it, it might not be great or in a fantastic area, but if you can sort out the country, then, hey, look, every area will be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, with the um, kind of, like, attempt to revitalise, like, these parts of the country that have been left behind with the Green Industrial Revolution, mm. um, the idea is that everywhere is going to be kind of good. So I guess that, you know, they need to take that same approach to housing to make sure that all of these areas are going to have that housing infrastructure in place to, That's it. yeah... Yeah. One of the things they have said they will do, which I kind of like the idea of, is the ending the conversion of office blocks into uh, homes, because basically the conversions they've been doing at the moment is you will get a tiny, tiny room, and it's this pathetically small space that you're expected to live in. Uh, and it might be okay for maybe a student temporarily, but it's not a place you're going to want to live for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I I would prefer to the actual houses. Did you see there was like a television show that showed that showed you around what it was like living in one of these converted office blocks and. No, I haven't seen that one. Oh, there was it was like um, I'm trying to remember what it was, but the 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 developers were really upset about cameras being in there, so Mm. the cameras could only be in like certain spaces, so like within the actual flats but not in the communal areas and stuff like that so like Hmm. not in the it was yeah because obviously they know that if you're proud of where you're housing people you wouldn't have a problem with cameras being there simple that's it uh so yes um so they're also looking at um reforming help to buy so they're going to have it for first-time buyers on ordinary incomes unfortunately even ordinary incomes it's just not possible with the average house now being something like £250,000, uh, uh, the average pay being about 275 That means you'd have to have a house roughly costing £120,000 to be affordable by even a first-time buyer. Uh, and you're just not finding that in half the country now. I uh, say so certainly down in the south, then mm. it's literally impossible. Yeah. Uh, is that is this possibly a a kind of drive to get people out of the city and into more of these kind of not not outside the cities, mm. into like villages and stuff, but into the kind of less built up kind of areas to try and support the jobs that the Green New Revolution, uh, the the Green New Deal was going to bring. Like yeah. if, if you frame it like that, I think it could work quite well, but. We have to have the jobs where they're going because otherwise you're building houses and there's no yeah. one going to be going into them. Um, so, yeah, oh, they're going to end the scandal of leasehold. So that'll make a lot of owners very happy because um, even when you've bought a house, you could end up paying effectively a landlord uh, a considerable sum for your house every single year. And even at the end of a period, you'd have to give that house back. Okay, the period is 99 years. It's not going to go for, you know, in your lifetime. But... 
you can't really hand it off to your son and they'll hand it off to their son because at the end of that, it's no longer theirs. It's a bizarre thing. So I really can't understand. And the people now starting to pay thousands and thousands of pounds every single year just to live in their own house. Yeah. The one that I actually now fully own, yeah. which is crazy. So if they can end that, that would be fantastic. Uh, then they go on to private renting. So yeah, 11 million of us. I am yeah. one of them. Uh, they want to put in rent controls, uh, <laughs> and tenancies, nice. and uh, <laughs> new binding minimum standards. So they want to stop runaway rents by capping them with inflation. Um, the yes. Yeah, yes. oh, they hate that. Oh, they. I, I've been. Uh, I've been around a few landlord forums. They hate the idea that they could have their <laughs> rent controlled. You know, there's a few. There's like a handful of. Um, like a landlords in London, I I've never lived in one of their houses, but mm. I know some people that do. That they are just like nice people, and they literally just charge how much it is to break even on their mortgages. Yeah, yeah, and it's so just I, like even then, nice, there like, are landlords still nice benefit because they are kind of getting the extra wealth equity from the houses' inflation in price. So there's yeah. still yeah. benefit to the landlords. Yeah, but it yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's some nice people that are like, okay, well, I'm not going to bankrupt you so you can't eat anything to live here. There's like, that's what loads of the Hackney warehouses are. It's just like one, like, you know, guy, lucky guy who was bored at the right time, so has property, and mm-hmm. he just doesn't mm-hmm. charge them too much, and it's so nice. Yep. So they're also looking at, say, ending the uh, Section 21, as it's called, that's the no-fault evictions. That would be nice, but you've got to get rid of all other kinds of ways of getting evicted as well. Because um, there would still be the opportunity if you wanted the land or the house back to sell, or if they wanted to live in it, they can still evict you for that reason. So stopping section 21 will not stop them if they want to sell it or just simply get you out. Uh, So there would have to be more powers to get rid of that as well. Um, They're also going to get rid of the rules to uh, check people's immigration. Um, I don't know why they would ever get landlords to do that. That's really not their job. So hostile yeah, environment, awesome. innit? Mm. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to homelessness. Um, now, certainly in the streets of Bristol, I've been seeing it getting considerably oh, it's worse. So bad here um, these days. Like, yeah, so I, I, th- I think all over. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely not something that uh, is kept out of the way as it used to be. Yeah, and like before, um, you you only see it like within the actual like city centre. But now in like mm. all the streets stretching out from the centre, there's people in vermin. Ah, that's it. awful. Yeah. Well, they're looking at uh, sorting some of the, about that. They're going to try and end all rough sleeping within five years. Um, at so, last. Yeah. So uh, expanding and upgrading hostels. Okay, it's a good temporary solution, mm. but I mean, hopefully that's just what they're going to do to start with, and yeah. make eight thousand additional homes for people with a history of rough sleeping. Um. See, I'd want more than just hostels because even a hostel doesn't give you any kind of security. Yes, it's a, a roof over your head for that night. Yeah. But you want somewhere where you're going to be able to whatever you know minimal stuff you've got secure. A yeah. lot of hostels feel yeah. like, especially for rough sleepers, they only let you be in there for certain hours. So mm. um, <coughs> you have to, you can be there from like nine o'clock, but then they turf you out at seven o'clock, and mm. then you've got to spend like the day just on the streets. Um, passing yeah. that time, um, which I mean, yeah, you've got shelter, but you've still not got a happy existence by any means. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I mean, I, going back to that office block, it's almost like I might almost consider the office block conversion if they used it to ho- house lots of homeless yeah. people yeah. for their own yeah. little room. Like I used that to work at YMCA, and one of the uh, like I thought really innovative things that YMCA did in some of our areas was use the you know the containers. Mm. But create, shipping containers yeah but create an mm. actual flat with electricity and and like yeah proper bed and proper washing facilities in your own contained flat so yeah. you have so people yeah. and it's that whole idea of giving them giving people their privacy again giving people a safe space oh, yeah. that they can control and it's their space and i think i think that's so important yeah personally yeah. so like i totally agree with you about like I don't want to use the word halfway house because it's incorrect. But no. like, you know, like as a step in the right direction, a yeah. step towards security and like yeah. comfort. Yeah, I mean, uh, I lived in a hostel uh, for however, eighteen months, and it was far from a comfortable life, even at that point. Even one which didn't kick me out, you know, where I could stay mm. during the day, just fat, mm. you know, always having to be conscious of other people, never having yeah. the space to just be alone. Because there's yeah. so many things that you do when you're by yourself that you don't even consider um, because, you know, you're able to just let it all hang out, as they say. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and finally, it's looking at a new national levy on second homes used as holiday homes. So, yes, make the bastards pay more. I think they were going to, like, up their council tax by about five times just for having a second home as a holiday yeah. home. Yeah. We got that a lot on the door again yesterday, a lot of that chat. For or again? <laughs> Against. <laughs> in Harrow East, Oh, yeah. dear. How, how, how dare you charge me extra for my holiday home? So no, no, I have to, to go... Like, to I have to spend it on the yacht instead. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, is the people that I'm speaking to are not... The, the thing is, is they're not... They're not super rich. They're very middle-class, wealthy people. But they don't see... A bit like that guy on Question Time. They don't see themselves as rich because they're not like... 15 million pound flats in Kensington rich, you know? And yeah. so it's yeah. really hard. It's really, really, really hard in a, in a society where lu- luxurious things and ridiculously extravagant homes are constantly thrust in people's faces and like, you know, luxury designer wear and all of this. So when you're just somebody who has, they don't realize how much better off they are than the rest of society because everyone in their bubble mm-hmm. has it. And so mm. it's really hard to explain to them why that's necessary. I failed miserably at it yesterday. <laughs> I was like, I just, this is one thing I, like being able to explain the top 5% thing I can do, but yeah. like tech so, trying to, yeah, that one I couldn't well, do the second home. Well, one. that was housing. So David, what about work? So work. Okay. And we are getting rapidly a real living wage, real living wage, not the Tory pish that they tried to, you know, when they introduced a new tax band for, like, well, uh, not a new tax band, sorry, a new pay band for over 25s and called it a living wage, even though it was well below what the actual amount required is. Now we will have a real living wage of at least £10 an hour, at least, mm, as the word used in a manifesto, at least £10 an hour for all workers age 16 and over. The- Woo! Pay banding system is fucking dead. Hell yes. Um, there's also going to be savings to public finances. 
um, used to help small businesses manage the extra cost. And there's not much detail in that part. It does make sense to a degree, although I am firmly of the opinion that if you can't afford to pay your staff right, you shouldn't have a fucking business. But that's just me. Oh, it's not just um, me. Oh, it's not just I, me. I would agree <laughs> yeah. with that, yeah. It's one of those ones where, like, under certain economic climates, I could totally understand that, but we're not, we're not in like some sort of absolute fucking disaster state. We are still one of the richest countries in the world. Um, the economy is in a shit state, but we should be able to manage this kind of thing. Um, and I'm glad it's there because there are businesses that maybe could use some improvement. And we'll see an improvement as well once the workers start to get a better wage as well, mm-hmm. uh, because everyone knows the link between wages and productivity. Um, there's going to be inclusive ownership funds set up. This one is real fucking long-winded, a weird kind of thing, but basically up to 10% of a company will be owned collectively by employees now, this is only from i don't have the, the figure for where it starts i think it's a company of so many workers um but everything from that whatever that small smallish figure is and up 10 percent of a company will be owned collectively by employees so you'll be then given the ability to take the shares out every year it's basically a top up for your wage but more importantly you've actually now got a stake in your workplace it might only be collectively 10%, but it's still a stake in the workplace. And it's something that shareholders, boards and all that kind of stuff are actually going to need to take notice of. So it's a good start. It's not quite make everything a co-op, but it's still good. It's still a start. It's the kind of thing where in five years' time, they could come back and say, okay, we're now increasing back to 20%, 30%, etc., etc. Very easy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> And if it's really popular with workers as well, um, they're only going to start demanding more of a share. Yeah. Which can only be a good thing. One little thing that was snuck in here, and this was incredibly snuck in because I haven't heard this at all. There's going to be a pilot of Universal Basic Income. Ooh. Ooh, where? Nice. Yeah. They, they, they didn't say well. They didn't say well, so nobody get your hopes up about getting some extra cash. <laughs> I, I, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a pilot of a universal basic income. Now, yeah. under a Labour government, with rent controls, with all these other policies in place, a, a trial of universal basic income could go very fucking well. So look forward yeah. to that. Um, We're also going to set up a ministry for employment rights. So that's going to make sure that everyone is given full rights from day one on the job. None of this. Mm. Remember, it used to be a year. The Tories upped it to two years, oh, two years. during yeah. the coalition. Um, day one. Um, there'll be better protections for whistleblowers and there'll be rights against unfair dismissal for all workers at the moment. You can only claim unfair dismissal if you've either worked there for two years or you're covered by other legislation like the Equalities Act. Uh- this now extends that right to everybody from day one got a question which you might be getting to at some point um is Mm -hmm. this going to apply to agency workers and kind of like third party contractors and such because that's how a lot of companies get around all of these kind of like legal obligations there are a couple of things like that um it's not as full-on and great as it could be um ideally you would just ban agency workers um because all you're doing is spending more money 
Like mm. it's all ever is. Yeah. You get an hourly rate of like eight pounds, but the, the recruiter's getting an extra like four pound or whatever. And it turns out that usually adds up to run about the same wage you would be expecting from the job <laughs> in the first place. But some parasite cunt agency is just yeah. extracting that out because they were clever enough to put up a job advert for it and will occasionally have meetings with you for reasons. Um, I've done agency work in the past oh, and it's fine. not good. It's not yeah. a good way to live mm. in the slightest. Um, we are also going to get um, extra protections for pregnant women. Nice. Women going through the menopause nice. and terminally ill workers. And I'm going to steal this one. I know that Natalie's going to be speaking about qualities, but this one is ties into work as well. Um, a new form of leave from work in which if you have a disability, which is mm. defined by the Equalities Act, your sick leave will not count towards any time off regarding that. That will be counted separately, entirely separately from actual sick leave. So any sort of burden that you might have to, you know, if you're disabled and you, for whatever reason, like I, I've got a, I've got a very, very minor condition, but it's recognizable under the Equalities Act and it can affect my attendance at work. So me personally, I wouldn't be in as much fear of a fucking attendance meeting mm. or yeah. being dragged down a disciplinary path for something which I have zero control over. And that would be such a fucking game changer. That would make so, would take so much stress away from so many people around work. Mm. Um, and I'll cover yeah. a little more of that when I got into the um, social security side of things. Yeah. Um, bogus self-employment is going to be ended. So that's your delivery workers, um, your... Whatever. All, all, yeah, all, all of these poor fuckers who are told they're self-employed so they lose out on holiday pay, on sick pay, all this kind of stuff. Um, no more of that. There will be one single status. The status is titled worker, which is mwah, yeah. chef kiss. <laughs> and that'll be for everyone <laughs> apart from those who are genuinely self-employed in business on their own account. So that's, that is your, your independent contractor. Your, your guy with the van that does the odd jobs, he will be genuinely self-employed. Um, but the poor fucker that just has to deal with um, taking shit from Uber or whatever other fucking company. There's loads of them, but not, the Uber's the only one that's really coming to my mind just now. Um, they will have the protections that every other worker has, which is a great, great thing. Um, it's a massive win in the fight against these shitty, shitty working practices. Um, there will also be a legal right to collective consultation on the implementation of new technology in workplaces. So this is looking forward to the... I don't want to say threat of automation because um, as a proponent of fully automated luxury gay space communism, I'm looking forward to the robot stealing <laughs> my jobs. Um, but it is right that workers have a consultation on exactly how it's going to affect them and the rate it should affect them at and everything else. So that's that's a good way to start it and it's a good way to create a, an inclusive dialogue about mm. the fact that the nature of work will change over the, the future. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. We've also got, drum roll, the banning of zero hours contracts. Fuck yes! Woo 
Having also been a victim of Zero Hours contracts, I'm fucking buzzing for this one. One thing I will say about even it's a good policy without zero hour contracts, you can still get very sketchy, flexible contracts for a virtually the same. When I first started work, I worked in retail, and my contract was flexible four to forty hours a week. And as if you need full time work, that's not good. Well, you'll like this because. Not only are we banning zero-hours contracts, they're going to strengthen the law so that those who work regular hours for more than 12 weeks will have a right to a regular contract reflecting those hours. Oh, fuck yes. I oh, like it. So that's it's not perfect, but it's a, it's definitely yeah. a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, there'll be an increase in wages through sectoral collective bargaining. It's back. Um, there's going to be the requirement for breaks during shifts to be paid. Nice. Which is a fucking that big one, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that really that is. That is proper, yeah. proper good. Because you are a prisoner. You are stuck at work. You cannot fuck off from work. You should be paid. Mm. Just because they need to give you a break doesn't mean that they need to stop paying you. <laughs> so I'm well up for that one. Um, Cancelled shifts must be paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you need to be given proper notice for changes in hours. Now, at the moment, the legal... Uh, requirement there is there and it's 24 hours it's not there for the pay but it is there for the amount of time that they need to um, notify you oh that's so not um, enforced within, by uh, at all oh yeah, yeah you need to fight to get that one enforced mm. if, if you need to be pulled into a meeting and then turn up with a fucking a copy of an EU directive to throw <laughs> back at them that's the only way that you're going to have anyone recognise <laughs> that shit um but it's there, and it's going to be in, in, in law, and it's probably going to be stronger than anything that the EU would offer, mm. which is great. Um, we're also going to be getting... All workers will have the right to flexible working. Oh, That's really good. Mm. And I think we should just be clear, when we say flexible working for that, we don't mean the flexible contracts. We mean working flexible hours. So if you need oh, to be kind of working split, so you can do a school run or something like that you'll be able to do that and then you can work late in the evening to cover it you've got more control to fit work in around your life yeah it makes such a difference when you have i've I've worked for the last few years for places that have that where you have your core hours and then you can sort of do what you want around it and it makes life so much nicer because you yeah you can have your life you know i like to go to the gym Mm. before work so it makes a huge difference to me statutory maternity pay is going to move from nine to 12 months. That's nice. Yeah. That is good. Yep. Doubling paternity leave from two weeks to four and yeah. increasing the statutory paternity pay. I really don't like that it's still explicitly split up. I think it's Norway that does a model, or maybe Denmark, where you've just got a set amount of time for the mother and the father to kind of just use between them as they like. Because, um, <coughs> yes. yeah, if you set Some it up that way... It's, have that. I mean, we do have that. It's just not paid for the gentleman. Mm. You know, because I, I, I could have chosen to take um, five months off work and my wife could have taken five months off work and still had my job when I go back. <laughs> it's just I wouldn't have been paid for four of them. Yeah, and that doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, no, getting that universally transferable between the mother yeah. and father makes a Sometimes lot more sense. Want to go yeah. back to work. It's not fair. Yeah, we do, we shouldn't be encouraging this fucking stereotypical gender bullshit yeah. for the yeah, men exactly. are breadwinners and the women are the carers. Yeah. It could, should be, you know, exactly. whatever way works. 
Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, on the subject of leave, um, statutory bereavement leave will be introduced. Mm. So that's guaranteed time off to grieve the loss of close family members or following miscarriage, which I think is an important and oh, very, that's very good, good yeah. one. Yeah. Um, there'll be four new bank holidays introduced. That's that stuck and that, that kept in the manifesto. I assume they're so, only going to be for the country they represent. No, they'd be for everyone. Would they have the for, entire of the UK off on the same day? or did For just be everyone. Like, yeah. Scotland already gets St Andrew's Day as a bank holiday. Um, you'll get it too now. Okay. Woo-hoo! Nice. Um, <clears throat> also going to look at reviewing family-friendly employment rights. So it's including rights to respond to family emergencies. So again, just these little things that just take the stress mm. out of work, which is beautiful. Um I'm going to try and race through the next little bit here, but like I say, it's, it's all good fucking <laughs> stuff. Um, so there will be a requirement for employers to devise and implement plans to eradicate the gender pay gap um, and pay inequalities underpinned by race and or disability, mm. or they will face fines. So there are no consequences for failing to address this. There's going to be an increased protection against redundancy for people wherever they work. Uh, they're going to ensure that public-facing workers are protected by toughening the law against abuse and violence. Okay. So that yeah, that okay. is that That's is damn good. Um, they're also going to ban unpaid internships. Oh, thank God! Oh, that'd be nice. If someone's working, they should be paid for it. Correct. It's also that's one of the things that has value. entrenches social immobility because any job that requires an unpaid internship means you've got to be in a socioeconomic class that you can survive going unpaid for a certain length of time. So this is going to be a real big help yeah. in getting working class people into kind of like media careers or things like that. Yeah, or but politics. Politics. Say, yeah. A, a lot of this sounds like they designed it in a lab specifically to annoy <laughs> dickheads. <laughs> They're also, well, on, on the subject of annoying dickheads, they are going to remove unnecessary restrictions on industrial action. They're going to strengthen mm, and enforce trade rights union of entry to workplaces to organise, meet and represent members. Hmm. They're going to ban union busting, strengthen the protection of trade union representatives against the unfair dismissal and union members from intimidation, harassment, threats and blacklisting. They're going to repeal anti-trade union legislation, including the Trade Union Act 2016, and create new rights and freedoms for trade unions. Uh, they're going to simplify the law around union recognition so it becomes easier to set a union up. And they're going to give union reps adequate time off for union duties as well so your union will actually be able to work for you. Beautiful. It's amazing. And then I've got... Oh, I've got so much. I've got so much. <laughs> um, within a decade, a reduced full-time weekly working hours to 32 across the economy with no loss of pay. It's fantastic. They're also going to end the Very opt-out nice. provision oh. for the EU Working Time Directive. Now, the opt-out, I can understand how they would reduce the hours to 32. I'm not sure. Because it's... it's not up to them. It is. I mean... You can just legally <laughs> mandate that people can't work more than 32 hours. Yeah. I mean, if you're self-employed, then obvious, and you want to, then obviously you would, and there's not really anything anyone could do. But if you're an employee, like 
that I'll be locked in. Yeah. I mean, if you but if you're having a 32 hour week, then the, the whole... working time directive is pointless because then that's that would allow it to 48 hours. It, well, well, the whole put the reason the reason they want to do it so much is because of obviously like bringing back the family unit and bringing back hmm. people's like helping people's mental health. And the way John McDonald said it when he spoke at the rally was that people thought having a minimum wage was ludicrous and they were never going to be able to do it and look at us now. So it might sound really unachievable and that people aren't going to buy on, but if some, like, they'll enforce it and then as as you start to see the efficiency from it, people will start to respect mm-hmm. it more. I mean, there was a time when the 40-hour working week wasn't locked in and, you know, that you would have had the exact same arguments then. Yeah. Mm. We've been duped into believing this is the only way yeah yeah well the way that they're going to undo that is again the way that labor always seems to work with this is engagement so they're going to set up an independent working time commission to advise on raising both minimum holiday entitlements and reducing the maximum weekly working time they'll be mandating bargaining councils to negotiate the reductions in working time and they'll be investing to increase productivity and make sure that workers share the benefits as the kind of long and short goal of it because working less does get more productivity yeah a million studies out there will show that and higher pay will also do that so i mean it, it, it's it's self-feeding that will work um and it will it will be shown to work like i'm, I'm sure of it and I'm, I'm just buzzing for three days off every week that's just that's well, I think cool. it doesn't have to be for for long days. Well, you can do five short days if that's better for you. Yeah, it's also an option, and that's where the flexible working kicks in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Netta Porter have been doing that for years. It's not just stuff like like you know, like you were saying, the forty hour week was probably objected to at one point. I think it's it's literally every concession workers have ever earned has probably had like been met with like employers crying that it was the end I mean, of business there's that cartoon <laughs> that they, of they um, just like what employers through the ages complaining about all of these labor laws and you know it, it kind of got, touches on like health and safety regulations uh child labor going all the way back to the 1800s really yeah. does just show that you know they will always argue for whatever they can to get the most that they can um yeah in, yeah, yeah, they should not be listened to. Yeah, big time. Um, employment tribunals be kept free. They'll have their powers extended, and there'll be new labour courts hmm. um, set up to handle that, which could be good. Could be good. And a labour court's going to be given the power to go. <laughs> <laughs> of course, like, it's a labour government. Yeah, we, we live in hope. Big John's Court. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Supreme Court set up in the Isle of Man in the middle of the bigger school. Like. <laughs> Escape from um, the Isle of Man. Where's Snake when you need him? <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that's that's all I'm really going to go on about with the work. But there's there's more. Would you believe it? There's actually more <laughs> in the Labour Manifesto about workers' rights. Um, <laughs> but those are some of the kind of choicest bits that I've picked out. There are more little bits, like I say, that universal basic income trial. I had no idea. Zero clue about that until I actually properly read the manifesto. So there's probably some nuggets in there that you're not even aware of, um, which will be great little ones, especially if you're on the doorstep. Just toss it out there.